0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Friday. Coming to you live from our studio here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. It is such a blessing to be able to chat with you over the next three hours here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We've got a lot to dive into during today's program. We're going to have birthdays in sports. Justin Hokinson of Auburn Live and On 3 Sports will stop by. Give us the latest about this Auburn football team, the latest in the head coaching updates for Coach Harson a search for athletic director and more. We'll chat with Chris Van Dyne at 4.15 today. And in the final hour, Kevin McCalpin of the Braves Radio Network joins us on today's show as well as we will be able to speak with Kevin about the Braves' Division East title that they've got, and a TV guide will close out today's show. So, tons to discuss. I've got Cam Berry and Ryan LaVoy here with me in the studio, and we want to take your phone calls as well. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you want to be on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. JJ, Cam, and Ryan here inside the studio. Mr. Cam Berry, how are you today, sir? I'm doing
2: well, enjoying this Friday, um, mm. ready to work and listen to some Beauregard football. Um, what and, a team they've yeah. got, and another fun Friday night, yeah. Oh yeah, another fun Friday night, ready to get the weekend going, ready to watch the Auburn game. Yeah. And see how that goes, I'll probably watch it for about a half, <laughs> and then um, watch the Falcons play on Sunday. So yeah, uh, we'll be doing all that in Birmingham, might might pop over to... Um, UAB's uh, homecoming yeah. since my mom's an alumni, so she's she's down there in Birmingham right now. So uh, yeah, so it should be a good weekend.
1: Could be a fun weekend for all of us. Yeah, Ryan LaVoy, how are you today, sir?
3: I'm doing well, and um, yeah, another weekend of college football is arriving and of uh, pro football, but also today what we've seen with Major League Baseball and the start of the wild card uh, series, not the wild card game, and so... Um, we've already seen Tampa lose to Cleveland two to one. Got the Cardinals and Phillies right now. Of course, the winner of that one, that series, plays the Braves next Tuesday. And so, yeah, we've just we got a lot going on right now, and uh, excited to see how it all shakes out. And obviously, Auburn with a very tough test to say the very least in Athens tomorrow afternoon, and a little under twenty-four hours from now. So, uh, of course, that big rivalry. But to, we were uh we'll we'll be dissecting that game i'm sure but um yeah i was excited for another week of football for sure
1: it's going to be a lot of fun any thoughts that you have you could join us on the auburn bank phone line by giving us a call 334-887-3401 again we got to get to birthdays in sports here in just a few moments also justin hokinson from auburn live and on three sports will be on the program chris van dyne is on sports call today as is Kevin McCalpin celebrating a Braves National League Eastern Division title. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at AuburnBank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, as we take this opportunity to go to the phone lines for the first time during today's show. And joining us Here on Sports Call today, we've got
0: James from Montgomery.
1: James has called into Sports Call here today. Hello, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle.
0: Eagle.
4: Yeah, I am so excited to see Auburn and Georgia actually playing this big, huge, historic matchup tomorrow, and it's going to be a good ticket uh, tomorrow for Auburn, and I hope Auburn actually gets a big win in Athens, Georgia tomorrow.
1: It's going to be a tough test. They're the reigning national champions. They haven't lost a game yet this season. Very, very talented squad, and it's in Athens. we got to go to their place, so it's going to be difficult for Auburn, but we've got faith in our guys.
4: Yeah, we actually do have faith because I would like to see uh, another miracle, but not in Jordan Harris Stadium, but in Athens, Georgia, but with the Auburn Tigers prevailing and getting a win, out of the dog house of uh Georgia
1: as well that's right against the bulldogs and uh what what'd you say about dog food that we should do this weekend James
4: oh oh that is a actual that's a little that's for me as an Auburn fan that's a little uh, dope to actually get you know under the uh, opponents of our team so that was a little that was a little uh, Friday funny right there for for all of the uh, for all of the Georgia fans out there. So we'll we'll actually give them we'll give their little dog some little bad dog food, you know, just to you know get under his little skin as well. Yeah, that's what we
1: got to do. We got to give them bad dog food uh, to knock off the Bulldogs tomorrow. I can't wait for that. Hopefully, that happens for this Auburn football team, and we're able to make that happen. Mm-hmm.
5: Yes, that's
4: well, because over uh, the past couple of weeks, I've been watching a lot of college football. I've been uh, studying a lot of different opponents that we're going to be playing. I've looked at Georgia. I've looked at uh, Arkansas, Mississippi State, uh, Texas A&M, uh, Western Kentucky. And it's, it's just, you know, trying to put it all together for Auburn as well to see how we're going to uh, actually – win uh these uh seven games that we have well these five games that we have left as well.
1: Yeah, you were right the first time. We have seven games left on the schedule. We've played five. We've got mm-hmm. seven left and uh, Robbie Ashford is now the full time starting quarterback. We gotta keep having good quarterback play, taking care of the football, handing it off to the running backs and throwing to the open receiver. So I'm looking forward to seeing Ashford get another chance.
4: Yeah, so we're actually gonna give uh Robert Ashford, that second chance, because I know when we played at home against LSU, I didn't like the score. I'm, I know the score in the first half of the game was looking a little bit better.
1: Yeah, we liked it.
4: I mean, I really liked it until that second half. That's when we started messing up with somebody that wasn't even a quarterback that I didn't even see on the roster. I don't know who was that Random guy that was out there.
1: Yeah, that was Coy Moore. He's he's one of he, not too random, but uh yeah, that we had a wide receiver pass. We didn't have the quarterback throw it all of a sudden it was a wide receiver pass and it turned out to be an interception.
4: Now for me, why would he actually be in the quarterback position if he's a wide receiver?
1: It was a trick play. We were trying to confuse them because they were asking the same question. They're like, Why is this wide receiver attempting to throw the football? And we were trying to catch them off guard, but it just didn't work.
4: Well, I mean, that could work this year against Alabama. Maybe. It could happen. Maybe I, don't
3: know.
4: I mean I would be there in Tuscaloosa in person to see Auburn, uh, and Alabama at that game. So I'll actually be uh, at that game and uh, probably getting a uh, sideline ticket to actually be on the sidelines with uh, Trayvon Reed and uh, the rest of the
1: Auburn uh, team. We'll actually. be down there as well, so you'll have to say hello to us. Oh, I sure will. I sure will.
4: I can find y'all, but uh, where will y'all be at in uh, Bryan-Denny Stadium?
1: Well, Before the game, we've got sideline access with our press credentials, so that's typically where we're at down there. Uh, for Iron Bowl games and that sort of thing, before every Auburn game, in fact. So, yeah, be on the lookout for us. What do you think about this Alabama-Texas A&M game?
4: Oh, man, that is going to be a really good ticket for me because I have Texas A&M actually favored to uh, beat Alabama. So I know this is going to be Alabama's first loss under Nick Saban. So, um, you know, it, it was some... It, you know, I, I've heard some things from uh, from Jimbo Fisher. You know, trying to see what he's really done over over the past uh, year and a half with his team. And you know, when they actually played Alabama last year, I know Jimbo Fisher. I know Coach Fisher. I know he's a really good good coach against uh, Nick Saban, so he's one of Nick Saban's, uh, you know, uh, former uh, assistant head coaches at, at Alabama. So I think, uh, you know, when I was listening when I was listening to uh, the press conference last few years on the SEC Network, he was uh, talking about. Well, Nick Saban was talking about that Jimbo Fisher was actually paying players under the NIL deal. And I looked at it, I actually went on my internet, and I looked it up, and that is not true of what Nick Saban actually said. I don't know why he said that as well.
1: Yeah, it was a big offseason back and forth between those two head coaches. Obviously, as you mentioned, Jimbo Fisher formerly on staff with Nick Saban. They've got those LSU connections and their time mm-hmm. together. And uh, remember, Jimbo Fisher was the head coach at Florida State and won a national championship there. And Jimbo Fisher, he was the coach for Jameis Winston.
4: Yes, Jameis Winston of the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, you know, with that being said, with that question actually, you know, coming out right then and there, uh, Nick Saban talking about that Jimbo Fisher is paying players under the NIL, with the NIL deal for uh, Texas A&M. I don't think that, I, 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 for me as an SEC fan, I don't think that's possible that any coach in the Southeastern Conference, will pay their players to actually come to play for a university like Texas a and I, I think Nick Saban. I don't know what what he was thinking of saying that as well. Yeah.
1: No. Well, ha- it's going to be added storylines. For this football game, obviously, Zach Calzada and Texas A&M defeated Alabama a year ago. Now Calzada plays for Auburn, and things haven't been so great for Texas A&M this season. So, should be a really, really interesting storyline. What about the NFL? What do you want to tell us from the NFL, James?
4: Well, actually, on Thursday night, I'm very um, I'm upset with uh, the with Russell Wilson and I know Russell Wilson. I know he's kind of uh didn't make a great uh pass with his team and uh a lot of I, I don't know why he picked to I don't know why he picked going to uh Denver. He should have stayed in Seattle for another Super Bowl one, but that was his choice. And, you know, I hope great things might come out for him next Sunday as well.
1: Yeah, tough loss for the Broncos last night. The Colts beat them in overtime 12-9. to No touchdowns were scored. It was only field goals. Only the kickers yeah. did the scoring last night.
4: Yeah, so I actually for my fantasy uh, draft, I had uh, one tight end. He wasn't making any points for me, so I had to uh, trade him to somebody else. So I guess somebody else. In the uh, commissioners, uh, in the commissioner room, I had to trade him off to a different commissioner. So I actually got new, I got some new players that I just added. So I'm hoping um, that I would win this Sunday. So I'm one and three. So I'm still in the playoffs hunt. I'm still in the playoff race to actually, you know, get back into. Uh, into the divisional rival playoff uh, contention this Sunday as well. Yeah,
1: you've got some time. That's for sure. You really do have some time. One and three is not a horrific start. Things can certainly improve for your team. So we'll have to hear how your fantasy team does moving forward. And then talking about NFL, the Cowboys taking on the Rams this weekend.
4: Yes, we are actually are we're actually taking on the Super Bowl champion Rams, and we actually are going to we're actually going to be starting. Uh, Cooper Rush. So we were going to start uh, Will Greer. So he won't be starting. Uh, we actually, Mike McCarthy, actually just changed the quarterback uh, selection. So we'll start Cooper Rush for a couple of more for a couple of more games until Dak Prescott comes back. And I'm thinking if Dak Prescott comes back 100, I'm putting him back in the. Uh, in my fantasy lineup as well. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that my Cowboys might make it to the Super Bowl as well.
1: Yeah, isn't that the right thing to do? I mean, Cooper Rush has played so well recently. I think you should start <laughs> Cooper Rush over Will Greer. That's the right thing to do. Yeah, as well, because I mean, I mean with with Cooper
4: Rush, I think he's a really, really good guy to, to start off with with the Dallas Cowboys
1: as well. Give us something else that's on your mind, James.
4: Well, I'm actually um, getting ready for this coming up Sunday's race in Charlotte.
1: That's right. The Roval race, a road course race. We saw Chase Elliott win this past weekend at Talladega, and he's moved on to the round of eight in the playoffs. It should be a fun NASCAR race coming up on Sunday afternoon.
4: Yeah, so I actually do have uh, Chase Elliott in my NASCAR fantasy Uh, lineup and I'm hoping that he'll win as well and I'm just going to see what's really going to what's really going to happen on Sunday uh, afternoon as well.
1: And then did you say you were ready to make your World Series prediction?
4: Uh, Yes I actually have my World Series prediction um, all mapped out. I have the Atlanta Braves actually going back to the World Series for the second time this year as well. Yeah,
1: the second straight year, the Braves will get to go to the World Series. Who do you have them playing? Who are they going to beat?
4: Um, I'll have to say the Tampa Bay Rays.
1: Oh, wow. That would be a big run for the Rays if we saw Braves versus Rays World Series.
4: Yeah, so if it happens, I'm I'm hoping it will happen sometime real soon as well.
1: You have any big plans this weekend?
4: Um, I don't have any, anything planned out except for tomorrow. I'll be going to the, uh, Alabama national fair tomorrow. So that's going to be very fun as, as well. And then next couple of weeks, I'm just gonna, um, rest for a while and, um, you know, getting ready for, um, a karaoke concert, uh, in Montgomery as well.
1: When is your karaoke concert?
4: um, well, it's actually on October the 19th.
1: Oh, wow, we're getting closer, man. 12 days away.
4: Yeah. So, it's going to be my first time ever uh doing karaoke in my home in my hometown and um it, it's going to be very fun.
1: Very fun. That's awesome. Yeah, we know you typically do karaoke at Skybar, and now you get to do it in Montgomery.
4: Yes, yeah, as well. And then with the Auburn and Georgia Uh, football game, I would like to have some Auburn-Georgia football trivia. Let's do it, and
1: we'll wrap it up here. So here's your trivia questions for today. Auburn and Georgia, what is the name of this rivalry game? It's given a name. What is the name of it?
6: It is
4: the oldest... It's actually the deepest oldest rivalry in the South.
1: Yeah, close. Yeah, you got it all right there. Uh, The deep South's oldest rivalry. Ding, 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 ding. You got that one right. All right. The last time we saw Auburn defeat Georgia was in 2017. Who was the quarterback for Auburn when they beat Georgia in 2017?
4: That will be, I know it's not Cam Newton.
1: Correct. It's not Cam.
4: I know it's not Bo Nix, because Bo Nix wasn't even on our roster in 2017. Yeah, he
1: was still in high school, so it wasn't him.
4: I know it wasn't Nick Marshall.
1: Right. It was somebody so, that's currently in the NFL.
4: Um, that's, Now, I know it would have to be... Um, let me go back in my... Memory because I know I was at that game and it was called the M- miracle in Jordan and Hare.
1: Not the 2017. That was in 2013 when the miracle took place. In 2017, we just beat the snot out of them. It was a uh, 40 to 17 was the final score. Who was the quarterback for Auburn in that game? He has played for the Patriots and he currently plays for the Raiders.
4: That is no other than. Jared Stidham.
1: That's right. Jared Stidham was the quarterback for Auburn in 2017. One of our favorites.
4: Yeah, he is. He's one of the favorites of, um, you know, he's one of my favorites of law and uh, he still is in the NFL, and I hope he might make it to the NFL Hall of Fame someday
1: as well. He could. We'll have to wait and see if he gets that opportunity and plays well. All right, last question. Deep South's oldest rivalry between Auburn and Georgia. What are the names of the mascots in this matchup, James?
4: I would have to say for Auburn, it will be Aubie the Tiger. Right. And for Georgia... Because I know the Georgia Bulldogs, I know they go through every every year. This is actually a true fact about the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, okay. They actually go through every year um, since their university uh, football team was ever, you know, a team. Every year, they actually go through Bulldogs every year. And I think they're... Mascot is Ugga. That's
1: right. His name is Ugga. His name is Ugga.
4: Yes, as well. So I think with the Bulldogs, from what most people that have Bulldogs, they say they have a short uh, attention. They have like a short health span as well.
1: A lifespan?
4: A lifespan. A a short
1: lifespan
4: as well. Yeah,
1: but uh, they're they're fun dogs to look at. They go in the doghouse and... Uh, yeah, it, it should be a fun weekend for sure. Well, James, it was awesome to hear from you today. Thanks for the phone call. Enjoyed catching up with you.
4: All right, sounds good, and I'll talk to you all guys on Monday.
1: All right, War Eagle. War Eagle. That's James from Montgomery, and he's joining us here on Sports Call. All right, as we get set for our conversation with Justin Hokinson of Auburn Live and On 3 Sports, let's celebrate our birthdays today.
0: It's time for today's Birthdays and Sports.
1: All right, Birthdays and Sports here today, October 7th of 2022. Charles Woodson is celebrating his birthday, 46 years old. Former NFL cornerback in safety, selected fourth overall in the 1988 NFL draft by the Oakland Raiders out of Michigan. Also played for the Packers in his career where he won the Super Bowl. 2009 Defensive Player of the Year, won the national championship, while at Michigan, a 1997 Heisman Trophy winner, nine-time Pro Bowler, All-American in college, and he's a member of both the College and Pro Football Hall of Fame, Charles Woodson, 46 years old. 1997, so that's a typo. My bad. Did I say something wrong? 19.
2: You said 1988.
1: Oh, my bad. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> reading. 1998. I'm reading. Ninety-eight. Did I say eighty-eight? Well, then I just can't read. <laughs> okay, I, I like, just can't read. I was like, "Dang, I mistyped that." My yeah, <laughs> and my apologies for improper reading. Uh, Russell Okung is turning thirty-four. Current NFL free agent, selected sixth overall in the twenty ten NFL Draft by the Seattle Seahawks, out of Oklahoma State, has also played for the Broncos, Chargers, and Carolina Panthers. Super Bowl forty-eight champion with the Seahawks. Two-time Pro Bowler at Oklahoma State. He was a two-time First-team All-American, won the Jim Parker Trophy, Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year, and two-time first-team All-Big 12. Russell Okung turning 34 years old today. Priest Holmes is turning 49. The former NFL running back went undrafted in 1997 out of Texas, (laughs) but signed with the Baltimore Ravens as an undrafted free agent. Just got to make sure I'm uh, reading properly. Uh, Look, he played for the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl thirty-five champion with the Ravens, 2002 NFL Offensive Player of the Year, and a three-time first-team All-Pro. So all three football birthdays today, all three guys have Super Bowl rings. That's something for them to remember fondly as they celebrate their birthdays here today. Evan Longoria is 37 years old. He's the current third baseman for the San Francisco Giants three-time All-Star, 2008 American League Rookie of the Year, 2009 Silver Slugger, three-time Gold Glove Award. He's also played in his career for the Tampa Bay Rays. Evan Longoria is 37 years old. And then finally, Mookie Betts is turning 30, the current right fielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers, a six-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, once with the Dodgers, once with the Red Sox. 2018 American League MVP, he has been a four-time Silver Slugger, a five-time Gold Glove Award winner, and he was the AL Batting Champion in 2018 when he was also a member of the 30-30 Club. Mookie Betts is turning 30 years old today, and there's a look at our birthdays in sports here on October 7th of 2022. Charles Woodson is 46, Russell Okung is 34, Priest Holmes 49, Evan Longoria is 37, and Mookie Betts is 30. Birthdays in sports brought to you by Max Credit Union. Allow Max Credit Union to help you with your banking needs. We're back with Justin Holkinson of Auburn Live and On 3 Sports right after this.
0: May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi! My name is what? My name is what? My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC
6: linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: All right, welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson, Cam Barry, and Ryan LaVoy, Insider Studios here on South College Street. Thanks so much for listening to us here. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure that you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, taste the feeling as we want to take this opportunity to go to our auburn bank phone line and joining us here on the program today we've got our good pal justin hokinson from auburn live and on three sports here with us hoke the time is appreciated how's this week been for you
7: it's good good man it's another week The week covering covering Auburn football, basketball getting going, that's fine. So, man, all all good. Hard to complain.
1: Yeah, hard to complain. The weather's getting better in in the heart of football season. The location will change tomorrow for Auburn football. It will not be at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Tigers heading on the road to take on Georgia, and they've got their hands full. When you look at this matchup a little early, what jumps out to you?
7: Oh, boy well it's just the, the, Athens has been a, a house of horrors for for Auburn lately um, and and then that's the thing that, that sort of immediately jumps out is just the lack of success there um, you know haven't haven't won there since 2005 haven't even really been competitive since 2009 um, in in Athens it's just been it's been a lot of beatdowns to be honest with you um, and so it's in the you know now you're talking about an auburn team that's in the position they are and struggling offensively and you're wondering how they're going to go and and, and score points and remain competitive so uh, it's gonna be a tough matchup it I think that the game last week for Georgia and Missouri is interesting uh, given how close that was there there are some interesting stats when it comes to Georgia that that might show that they're not quite as dominant as they were last year In terms of sacks, and I mean they're 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 way way down. They're in the hundreds in sacks, and and, and in the 80s in tackles for loss. Like there's a few stats that are shocking when you look at this Georgia team, but they're still really really good. Obviously their their offense is fantastic, um, and their defense is still good enough. So you just wonder if Auburn can find ways can sort of recreate any of that creativity on offense. Can Robbie Ashford recreate any of that? any of that stuff that he can tell us, you can he do any of that against Georgia, or is that stuff just going to not be consistent enough to count on? And it's going to be a tough day. So curious to see sort of how Robbie handles his first road start. I think.
3: And Justin, obviously, a, a lot's been made of not only Auburn's offensive struggles this year, their second half struggles, but as you mentioned, they've just not played very well in Athens, even when we even when they've had some pretty good teams. So. Given all of that and the uphill climb climb for Auburn to score points in Athens with an offensive line that struggled, with just an offense that struggled overall, how how do you think Auburn best kind of go about trying to attack a Georgia team that's known for their defense in an environment that Auburn has not yet seen this year?
7: Yeah, I mean, I I think you're probably going to have to do some of what you did against LSU. I mean, look, as good as Tank Bigsby is, the bottom line is that that line hasn't played well enough to run the ball consistently, and so against LSU, it sort of was an inverse. It sort of seemed like they were throwing the ball to run the ball, um, and you allowed Robbie to, to use his legs and extend some plays, and uh, and he had a little bit of success second half running, but not a ton. Um, I just feel like they're going to have to they're going to have to do some of that. The problem is, you know, if you get that, you get third down against Georgia, you're in trouble, and so it's a balance of how do you sort of how do you sort of pass to set up the run, but also not put yourself in, in situations where it's third and eight and third and nine and they're teeing off on Robbie uh, in that offensive line. So it's a it's a uh, it's going to be a tough challenge for him. But I mean, I think you've got to you've got to give Robbie as many t- many chances as you can to be creative, um, in extending plays. You know, he's going to have to learn. Hey, you're going to get up against defense like Georgia. Running and sprinting to the sideline and things like that might not always be the best idea. I would love to see Robbie look for ways to just go right back up the middle, move back up the pocket. Um, He did it a couple times against LSU, and it produced good results. It'd be nice if he kept focusing on that, trying to move back up in the pocket uh, and make plays that way. But It's going to be tough sledding, but I think they're still going to have to pass the ball to to run the ball because the offensive line just hasn't done a good enough job creating consistency running the football. Uh, especially on, on 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 downs where it looks like they're going to run the ball, it's it's been an uphill battle.
3: Obviously the elephant in the room here as we progress through the first half of this season for Auburn is the job status of Brian Harson. And Justin, I wonder, I guess my question is this. Uh, we've all we've all had the, the the coaching hot boards, we've already started the the carousel talk and all that. But just simply put, assuming Auburn does lose this game, again, 29 and a half point underdogs at the moment, assuming Auburn does lose. Does the type of loss affect the timing for Brian Harson and the decision that could ultimately be made? Uh,
7: um, I would. I mean, I would say it's possible. I wouldn't want to rule it out. I mean, you could just because you get emotions and feelings involved, especially when a in a rivalry game. If you go there and lose forty five to seven or something, which I don't expect to be that bad, but you go do that, it, it's it's similar. Penn State nobody expected that and when that happened the 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 pendulum shifted big time I mean it it really it really so could could that shift something possible it's possible but uh, with just one week before the bye week um, I just don't see anything happening before at least the bye week and as of right now I'm not sure that he's removed during the season I just I think there's a lot that would go into that. There's a lot of upheaval that upheaval that would go into that. And right now, I sort of think it's trending that he makes it through the entire season. But, I mean, you can't predict. You go out there and get whipped against Georgia and get whipped against Ole Miss, back-to-back road games, that could change things. You start to look at it and go, okay, now wait a minute. We're not even competitive anymore. It absolutely could change things. You're you You, you never know. You never know. But I don't think it's – I don't think it's – you know losing the games one thing but the way it the way it happens it's possible I don't, I don't think you can rule that out
1: it's just not a great situation all the way around it seems justin hokinson of auburn live our guest here on sports call you think about what's next for this football team for this program you mentioned the bye week coming up and it feels as though we've heard so much talk about the bye week being a week in which change would be made also uh, we keep looming with uh, signing day coming at the end of the season trying to recruit and build a program for the years to come I mean uh, any coaching change I guess there's never an optimal time to do it Hokanson but it also creates this conversation of look when you're ready to make a change why not go ahead and do it so that you could start to move forward but if your coach is elsewhere I guess that makes things a little bit difficult as well
7: yeah, I mean there's so many things to consider. I mean, who's out there? Who are you going after? Are they going to be available, you know, now? Do you need to do you need to do you need to start having conversations with them now? And let them know you have an opening. Do you are they going to be there in November? Is it, you know, do, is it fine if you wait? You know, what how do you sort of take into account the players and the team and the and the, and the, and the seniors that came back and trying to give them, you know, the best season you can under circumstances? I mean, you just blow the season up and and don't give those guys a fair chance to even prepare for games. That's a that's a tough deal. But in the end, we know these are big money decisions. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough situation. Um, I mean, the money's not really an issue. I mean, if if, if they were to let go of Parson now or at the end of the year, I think it's like a three hundred thousand dollar difference. So it's not like there's some dramatic fall off in the buyout in November compared to compared to now. So it really just depends on. You know, would he take a reduced buyout? potentially? Does it get too toxic in terms of the, 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 the losses? Do they get, you know, are they blowouts and um, things like that? Recruiting is already stagnant, to be honest. I mean, I know they had a good weekend. They had a lot of kids in for the LSU game, and the atmosphere impressed them. But, but in terms of trying to get kids to commit, it, I mean, it's going to be pretty stagnant. You might have a couple out there that you can maybe get over the next couple of months, but overall... It's already pretty stagnant. Um, it's not as big a concern with the transfer portal. Uh, you know, you can go out there and you can you can you can close that gap a little bit better in the past. You know, it might be a whole recruiting cycle that's done. Well, now if you get a coach in in November, you still got the transfer portal. You can go out there and make hay and salvage some of that um, by landing some kids there. But yeah, there's not a good time necessarily right now. There's not necessarily a great time to do it. Uh, you just need to have a plan in place when you when you are ready to do it and when you don't have an AD involved, that's just one more thing to throw a wrench into this deal, trying to line up all your ducks in a row before you before you make a decision.
1: It's funny. Here we are. We talk sports for three hours a day each and every day, Justin, and yet some figures really make you pause for a little bit and think about things. I know the Jimbo Fisher buyout numbers uh, were creating a stir on the Internet because, my, oh, my, how much money is out there. And then, like you are saying, a $300,000 difference – compared to what part of the year a head coach is fired at Auburn yeah. in the grand scheme of things that's just wild to sit there and think about man that's a lot it of money is. at the end of the day
7: yeah it is I think it's 15.6 or so you know maybe at the bye week and 50 you know 15.3 at the end and it is it is um but you know if you're going to buy them out for that much at, at the end of the day I guess 300,000 is not that much but it's you know, look, it's a situation where I mean, these buyouts, I mean, Auburn's still paying on Gus Malzahn. Yeah. Um, now they're going to be paying out on Brian Harson. They're then going to have to probably pay out a little bit on assistants. Then they're going to have to go hire a coach. There's a lot of money about to be tossed around right now um, as, as as far as the Auburn football program is going. Just got a $100 million facility that's, that's finishing up. So um, NIL, you know, on, on, on the victory trying to, You know, raise their money. They're eleven plus million dollars. So there's there's a lot of money being thrown around right now, trying to trying to, I guess, uh, fix this situation at Auburn football, create past you know, fix past mistakes, buyouts, all that stuff. So it'll just be interesting um, what direction what direction they go in the next couple of months and and watch these money figures tick up.
1: And then who's the athletic director making these decisions? What's the latest that you can give us? As a, Again, Rich McGlynn's got that interim tag as Alan Green no longer holding that post in the Auburn Athletics Department. So looking for a new AD, what does that look like, Justin?
7: Yeah, I still think, I told our, our subscribers at AuburnLive.com that, that I still think uh, John Hartwell at Utah State is the frontrunner there. I think he's been the front runner for probably a week and a half or so. Um, mobile native has some ties to Auburn Was that Troy as well still think he's the front runner um, I think that uh rich McGlynn is certainly in the picture he's got support from from coaches there he certainly wants the job um, but I'm but I wouldn't call him in the leader right now I think he's just kind of in the mix but I think it's kind of John Hartwell's job to lose at this point I, I know that kind of behind the scenes Um, without going into specifics john harwell others he's behaving in some ways that that very much uh, indicate he thinks he will be the guy so um you know that goes into i think probably indications he's receiving from auburn things like that so he's still kind of the front runner um with with mcglynn in the mix there i'm not sure i would consider anybody else i mean Tim jackson's pushing they were looking into mitch barnhart a little bit like there's still some due diligence going on there, but I'm not sure I would I would really put anybody else in the in the mix right now.
1: Is the and so timetable wise, like what what is the pressure there, if any pressure at all, when you deal with an athletic director's search, and uh, kind of what is the ex- expectation for when this could be done?
7: Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's an interesting one. It's just the timeline of of trying to at least name. An ad on, on on here's who it's going to be and a start date. Hey, right. here, here's what's going to be and they're going to start in January, or whatever it might be. And where does that line up in terms of you know making a move from uh, a move on from from Harson um, and and sort of ha- how you how you want that to work? Um. So yeah, I would imagine they would want to name an ad and then and then and then and then, and then make a change um, as far as Harson goes. Um, and so that's interesting. If, if, if Harson somehow survives till November, now are you waiting until, you know, how, how long are you waiting until uh, you potentially name an AD? I think they're moving quickly, but AD searches generally take a long time. I mean, there should be a lot of due diligence that goes into that. Chris Roberts, a former engineer, is certainly going to do his due diligence. So I think it's generally a process that takes a while. So I think given that they're moving as quickly as they can, there's urgency, but um, – I'm not exactly sure on a date of, of when it would happen. I mean, not, I, outside of the next two months, it's hard to say.
1: All right, let's get one more question for you and let you get out of here. Justin Hokinson, joining us here. Follow him on Twitter, at underscore Jay hokinson uh, for all your latest Auburn football and basketball needs. Again, auburnlive.com is what you should check out. One month from today uh, is November 7th, and not only is that my birthday, uh, but it's also the first official game for the Auburn men's basketball season. So uh, with one month on the clock until the men's basketball season gets off and running, what's the big storyline? What's the big thing we're all watching for this Tigers bunch, Justin?
7: Yeah, I, I can't wait to sort of watch them play a little bit more. Obviously news, news yesterday that Chance Westry had a, a little minor knee surgery. Uh, we'll be out three to four weeks, um, but nothing that's going to affect him long-term. Um He's actually been at practice, so it's just it's more or less something that needed to be cleaned up. It's not like he was totally incapacitated um, in, within the last week, so something to watch there. Um, you know, I think the I think the storyline with this team is just going to be the the, the uh, you know how, how Janai Broome sort of um, meshes in with this team, his evolution down low. I think will be something that Auburn fans haven't seen in a while. I mean, he's got real good skill uh, on the low post. Pretty good mid-range game, can shoot the three uh, decently well, has great touch. I mean, he's got legitimate game as a low post player, uh, can block shots. So I think it's going to be a hey, – how does he fit in with, with what Alder does in terms of running and gunning and as fast as they play? And I don't I don't know under Pearl that they've had a legitimate, other than Austin Wiley, and they didn't really play through him. Guy that, that you dump down low. So it'll be interesting to see how Jani Brim – um, sort of um, evolves and is used in this offense. Um, you, you know, Yuan Treor, how he's sort of used. But I think more importantly, it's the guards. It's Katie Johnson, it's Zep Jasper, and it's Wendell Green. It's the maturity of level of them. It's the the level of toughness from them. It's the decision making from them. I think those guys are going to lead this team in terms of how physical they are, how how smart they play um you know how they adjust how they play on the road those three guys to me are going to set the tempo and i think they're the ones that i'm going to look at see can they take steps forward from last year and become really mature smart basketball players and leaders and lead the rest of that team i think as those three guards go and kind of their mood and attitude goes i think the rest of the team will go
1: i can't wait to see it again 30 days from today one month from today not only do I celebrate my birthday, but Auburn men's basketball takes on George Mason to open up the show. So, Justin, thanks – or the season, I should say. Thanks so much for joining us here today. For folks riding around, listening to this conversation, if they want more Auburn Live coverage, uh, how can they get involved? How can they sign up and support you guys?
7: Yeah, AuburnLive.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. I think it's 50% off right now. They're running – they never tell me when they run these deals. So, <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's 50% off right now. So, go take advantage of that um we'd love to have you and uh and happy early birthday to you man that'll be a that'll be
1: a fun day <laughs> look at that thank you man i appreciate it go. we'll talk soon justin okay
7: you got it all right See that's
1: uh, justin hokinson from auburn live and on three sports joining us there on the program you guys knew that i had to find any way possible to talk about my birthday oh, everybody yeah. loves talking about their birthday and so when it's october 7th and i'm an individual born on november 7th it comes to mind i gotta let the people know you know
3: that's what I got to do. And you were born in Asheville, North there Carolina. There we go. There it is. Thank you for yeah. setting me up, Ryan. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate yeah.
1: it. All right, we got one final timeout here in the hour. Anthony from Auburn is on the line with us next here on Sports Call.
0: Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. AU. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson inside the studio with my buddies Cam Berry and Ryan LaVoy. We're taking your phone calls, 334-887-3401. Our thanks again to Justin Hokinson from Auburn Live and On 3 Sports. We have five minutes, five minutes left in the hour here before we got to get to our next break. So let's take your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. Again, let me give that phone number to you 334 887 3401. As we go to the phone lines,
0: Anthony from Auburn.
1: Anthony has called into Sports Call today. Hi, Anthony.
6: Good day, fellas. How y'all doing? Good day doing to you. Well, I'm sir. doing
1: well. Thanks for asking.
6: You know, uh, so let's talk about hiring athletic directors and uh, firing coaches and hiring coaches. Well, I would uh, almost certainly believe that the uh, boosters uh, have a guy in mind. I don't think you've got to get a search firm or, or get a group of people together to uh, come up with a coach uh, a coach or athletic director. Why not let the boosters, since they're going to be calling the shots and uh, pulling all the screens and, and spending all the money, why not let them bring in the guy they want for an athletic director and tell him who they want for a coach and, and go get that coach?
1: Yeah, it seems like they're trying to work through that. We've got the front runner now, and and John Hartwell to take over as the Auburn athletics director, and then uh, a search to find the head coach would become possible. Of course, first and foremost, we need to officially fire Coach Harson, which it seems uh, like that will happen at some point. But for now you've got to proceed as if he's going to be your head football coach. I'm sure they're talking behind closed doors, Anthony. I'm not trying to shy away from that. Uh, And I think they probably do have somebody in mind. But if it were to be a coach at another school, that means you're only communicating with their agent at this time. And so that can add a wrinkle into things. So uh, I I think we just have to wait and take some time. Unfortunately, we won't be able to know the answer just ASAP.
6: Well, let me ask you something now. Let's say if hearts mess around and, stroke of some kind of luck or, 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 or get in some kind of bag with a mojo and mess around and win the rest of the games on this on the slate, then what are you going to do? Keeping
1: then, him then as what? the head football yeah, coach. You go 10-2, you I'm, beat all these dude, teams on the schedule. Locked in. We're saying <laughs> war damn eagle, and we're pumping our chest. So then uh, I guess everything would be lovely then, right? I would right. imagine if he oh, starts yeah. to win those games, the recruiting momentum is going to pick up. More people would start to commit and that sort of thing. They are getting guys on campus like we've discussed, but I just don't think that's going to happen.
6: Well, you never know, I mean, you know, this could be the weekend, you know, uh, I remember when I was a kid and I was watching the Vince Dooley Show and, you know, we always say that, uh, it's a South Southeastern Conference Showdown, it, it, it's for all the marbles this weekend, we're going to get between those hedges and we're going to hunker down and, and see what happens, so tomorrow at 2.30, less than uh, 24 hours away, we're going to find out, uh, you know, when they get an exam, uh, who will be able to pass the exam, who's going to flunk it or whatnot, uh, who did the work in the off-season uh, conditioning program and who got on the chalkboard and did what and watched film and everything? And we gonna find it out what happens tomorrow. But you know, um, Auburn very well could win this game tomorrow. Like I told y'all earlier in the week, as I watched the Georgia-Missouri, and I know each team played everybody different and this and that. And, and Missouri was at home, but man, I, I got to believe that uh you know it could possibly happen because uh, hey, Auburn did find a way to beat Missouri. It might have been ugly, might not like the way it happened. But uh, the way Missouri played Georgia last week, they exposed
1: Georgia. Georgia might not have that mojo like they had last year. So we're going to find it out at 2.30 tomorrow. We are. Yeah. And, uh, so so Monday you called and told us you thought it would be 14-14 at halftime and then you wouldn't say anything else. But when you called right. us on Wednesday, Anthony, on Wednesday your mood was that there's no chance Auburn can win this football game. So well, today, you know, That was, that that was we just win. Wednesday. Today's Friday. Just it's a whole, fun Friday. I just get just it. Day. two or three days later <laughs> i get it so you're I just going back and it. forth all week yeah. i support it it's fair you got a good weekend coming up here anthony
6: i'm on. i got the weekend off so i'm gonna relax a little bit that's what we I'm like to hear and, uh, eat me some good food and just uh take it easy because i got a, a tough schedule coming up here uh, at work uh you know this time of year we're very busy so i got to hunker down and make that money while i can and uh enjoy it. so hey guys i think i appreciate the time y'all uh gave me today and uh I'll be
1: talking to y'all uh, Monday. Yep, look forward to it. Thanks, Anthony. Have a great weekend. All right,
6: thanks, Thanks,
1: guys. All right, that's our buddy Anthony from Auburn joining us there on the program. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger nine. I'm sure a lot of people want to make decisions, but uh, they're not making them right now in terms of a head coach, an athletic director. You got to I mean, the athletic director yeah. can be eminent. It can be anybody. I like what Hokanson said. Like. It's okay to go ahead and try and make a right. decision. Yeah. But then you've got to work on contracts with folks where they're currently at. Putting a start date in place is a good place to start for all of this, I think. Yeah. So. No,
3: yeah, absolutely. I think you, you're you talking about two very important decisions, and that's why you got to do your due diligence on all of them. But at the end of the day, you know, you you still got to um, let the proper people make the proper decisions.
1: One hour of our show has concluded. What a fun hour it was. Thanks again to Justin Hokinson for stopping by. A lot of great phone calls as well. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling.
0: We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Cam Barry and Ryan LaVoy. What a fun first hour of the program we had, and we promise to keep the fun going here in hour number two. Coming this hour, a conversation with our good pal Chris Van Dyne of Feel Steel Publications. We'll have that here in just a few moments. Later in the program, Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network joins us. We're seeing playoff baseball off and running with these wildcard series taking place Atlanta will be back in action on Tuesday to open up the National League Division Series. But football is our topic of conversation. And here we are, the sixth week of the year. And for the first Saturday of the year, tomorrow features seven Southeastern Conference football games. There are 14 schools in the SEC. We're going head-to-head seven games. In the coming weeks, a couple of these teams are going to be on bye weeks. So we don't have as many of these, hey, it's all SEC football, but tomorrow is one of them. We've got seven games, and every school in the league is going to take on a conference opponent.
3: Yeah, and that's the big thing, obviously, that we've seen them all play, but just against different non-con teams and that sort of thing in the same week, and so we've had more than seven games, but you can't have more than seven matchups against uh, in an all-SEC capacity, so of course you can't for at least a couple more years then you'll have the the ability to have eight but uh yeah no that you got the full slate and you know teams are pretty much done with non-con games you know some some teams a lot of teams have maybe one remaining but it's at the back end of the schedule it's it's kind of the traditional breather right before your big rivalry game or that sort of thing so i mean you're pretty much just going to have all conference games and a lot of teams are going to see a above 500 start deteriorate into a non-bowl team and yeah. and uh, some teams are going to prove that they were uh, better in the second half and they're going to continue to get better throughout the year but uh yeah and no, if it's always fun when you have when you have conference play you have these rivalries and you have bragging rights and you really understand what kind of team you have and of course we're starting to get a good idea five games in but nevertheless you start to see what kind of years come to fruition and if what kind of bowls you end up getting to and and just uh what who you truly are as a football team
2: yeah these are the uh make or break weeks honestly for for all these teams just trying to lock in stay focused for all these sec teams those that are truly competing and you know um for teams like auburn you know we've already kind of got a glimpse of of and we already know who we are um kind of like what you touched on um Ryan, but some of these teams you know you don't truly know how how it's gonna be, you know we're really getting into the into the thick of it and and how how we're gonna progress like i'm I'm very interested to see how just for example, I mean oh miss they play Vanderbilt Vanderbilt this week, so that's i I feel like it's pretty obvious that's gonna be a win, but you know as the weeks go on how they're going to be because i mean they're top 10 right now they're ninth ninth in the nation and and as the weeks you know go on how they're going to be you know i don't really know what their schedule is but you know that's a team that definitely interests me
3: you know there's actually a, a fun thing about old miss um that so the the five teams with the most consecutive ap top 25 poll appearances number one is alabama Obviously, they've been in 235 straight AP top 25 polls dating back to 2008. Georgia is second uh, at 88, um, and that dates back to 2017. Third is Ohio State. No surprise there. They're 36 week in a row. Fourth is Ole Miss. They've ah. been in 21 straight top 25 polls, and then fifth is Michigan at 20. So, uh, Ole Miss, you would that, that's a that's a tough trivia question that they've been in the fourth most. Uh, top 25 polls in a a row, Uh, it speaks to what Kiffin's done here. And, you know, being so highly ranked, you can even take a loss. You're not going to fall out of the top 25. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, I think it's a big week um, for Arkansas, and they are not set up for success because they appear will not have K.J. Jefferson this weekend and uh that uh I don't know if they've said officially yet but I don't think he practiced on Wednesday and I know Sam Pittman has a rule that players that don't practice on Wednesday don't play um so they're they're in trouble uh they they could easily go down the three and three after this week and so that's the type of team you know to different circumstances it never runs smoothly it never runs the way you just kind of assume it's going to run and they're the perfect example of that because I really like this team I think Arkansas is still pretty good overall but they're not shaping up to have the season they're supposed to have right due to a number of things now and so you drop to Mississippi State now now all of a sudden you go from Arkansas thinking what kind of really good January 1st bowl game can you go to to do you make a bowl game so that, that's how quickly it can flip and and how just one or two things going wrong can offset a, what should have been a good season.
1: Cade Fortin came on in relief for Arkansas last week at that quarterback spot. A former North Carolina Tar Heel, a former South Florida Bull, and now playing for the Arkansas Razorbacks. His sister plays volleyball for Georgia. She'll be on the planes tomorrow taking on the Auburn Tigers. There's a tie for Auburn football, and, or SEC football, I should say, to the volleyball match taking place tomorrow here on the plane so seven sec games plenty of storylines to talk about and we do that with our good pal chris van dyne from feel steel publications he joins us next right here on sports gone
0: Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go.
6: I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan Lavoie, and we are so thrilled to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a longtime friend of the program, Chris Van Dyne, of Phil Steele Publications, joining us here on the program as he's done over the past few football seasons. Chris, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you, my friend?
5: I'm great. It's been a turbulent football season, to say the least. Uh, a, a lot of unexpected uh outcomes and teams uh performing above expectation below expectation it's always a great time of year though and you know we're getting some fall weather here in ohio which is always you know ma- makes me feel like this is real football season yeah. now
1: and my oh my chris we've already seen five coaches uh been shown the door. They've lost their jobs. We're seeing coaching changes, and obviously, that's the big rumors that we're discussing here on the plains at Auburn. It's just a a change in the sport. People want to win right away and make changes in that sort of thing. But already five firings at this point in the season as well.
5: I th- I think that it's just the way things have gone. Uh, there's a lot of impatience when it comes to having success. And because of the early signing day, it really changed things to where you can't wait until after the regular season's over to make your move because you want to get this recruiting class in shape and you have to, you know, start jumping on finding a new uh, and finding your targets early. And, you know, the boosters have a lot of say in these things as well. So, yeah, you're getting a lot of guys losing their job very quickly. Early in tenures, second, third year guys getting fired. So it, it, I don't think it's going to be changing anytime soon. I think this is kind of where we where we're going to be for a while.
1: It's crazy to uh, think about what's coming over the next few weeks. I already have five changes in leadership for college football programs, and uh, many more could be coming. Who knows? Chris Van Dyne joining us here on the show today. So let's talk about that Auburn football team five games into the season with a 3-2 and two record, 1-1 one one in Southeastern Conference play. But, Chris, when you look at this Auburn football team, is there any one thing sort of that jumps out to you about the success or lack thereof so far this year for Auburn?
5: I think that Auburn's a better better football team than people are giving them credit for. Uh, you look at the first five games, and the first couple games were underwhelming. The San Jose State does have a really good defense, and it's not surprising to me that that was a lower scoring game. They hung around, and Auburn won the game. If Auburn finishes last week, they're four and one going into this Georgia game, and it feels like the uh the, the sentiment towards this team might be a little different if they would have actually won that game which they it looked like they had in the bag in the first half. They're up seventeen nothing. That touchdown the LSU got at the end of the first half really changed the momentum and then Auburn, you know, took the turnover in the red zone, uh, you know, some key mistakes really hurt them. But I, I was impressed with how they played. It just seems like whatever's happening at halftime really lets them down. That They were in control against Missouri a couple weeks ago. I will say this. I really like their front seven. I think that Auburn's front seven will keep them in a game with most teams. Even the Penn State game, they were in that game at halftime, and they let it slip away. Turnovers really hurt them. The offensive line really hurt them in that game, giving up six sacks. But this is an Auburn team that I think has a great front seven. I love their linebackers, and their defense will keep them in a lot of games.
3: And Chris, when you're looking at this team and and all the struggles that it has as as far as the offensive line is concerned, how difficult has it been to kind of evaluate the skill position players on Auburn's offense, including its quarterback play with the offensive line having uh, so many struggles so far this year?
5: Well, it is definitely making it difficult to uh, analyze the quarterback play. You know, you lose Finley, so you're already down to your backup quarterback, and obviously Calzada's not going to be available this year. Um, and he, At least he's a mobile guy, so he is a, a avoiding some sacks, and he, he's giving you a chance to extend some plays. They're not running the ball like a lot of people expected them to, Or, you know, in a lot of ways, they're also not committing to the run like I expected them to. Tank Bigsby, having 69 carries through five games, he seems like a guy that needs more carries than that. Jarquez Hunter does not have a lot of carries, only 34 through five games. They're throwing the ball, uh, you know, almost as much as they're running it, but that's skewed by the first two games where they were playing lesser opponents and really, you know, had a dominant run game in those games against lesser teams. But since then, they've really tried to throw the ball a lot. Uh, not so much against Missouri, but 39 attempts last week in a the game they were up 17 nothing. They didn't really need to throw it around like that. But Ashford did a decent job, and I, I think that as the season goes, you're going to see this, the offensive line improve, the off- the, the the skill position will be skill position players will be helped by that they do have some receivers that i think are talented javarius johnson coy moore i think are solid receivers they don't have that dynamic guy which hurts them uh and i do think they need more out of their tight end who was very good last year but has you know has just been a run-of-the-mill tight end this year so
1: far five games into the season and the auburn tigers have yet to play a football game away from jordan here stadium that's going to change on saturday when they get ready to take on Georgia, who just so happens to be the reigning national champions. Boy, oh boy for this Auburn football team to have to go through travel procedures and that sort of thing with freshmen and newcomers. And it's like our first trip is going to take on Georgia. What a daunting task this is going to be Uh, for Auburn fans. Chris, what is the first thing that they need to know about this Georgia squad that we'll see on Saturday?
5: Well, naturally you're the national champions coming back this year. You have a lot of talent. You're your defense is, I don't want to say decimated because, you know, I think that's the wrong word. They're having to reload on defense with some new guys, and uh, they've lost some key players, especially on, on the uh, defensive line. But they, after the first two games, have looked a little bored. You know, I know that's the word that a lot of people have said. Uh, it almost seems to me like they're resting on their laurels a little bit. Uh, really, after the first three games, that South Carolina game, they handled the Gamecocks. The Gamecocks didn't move the ball on them, though, a little bit. South Carolina had 306 yards, Oregon moved on moved on them a little bit, 313 yards. They didn't punch it in in the red zone, uh, you know, and they turned the ball over, both teams. But uh, when you look at last year, what what Georgia's defense did. They were holding pretty much every team they played in the first five games under 200 yards. So this defense is not as good as last year's. And they just don't seem to be uh, as motivated, I guess you could say. And last week it showed. You know, Two weeks ago after the Kent State game, I think a lot of people were like, alright, that was a weird game. They probably weren't up for that game. And they, they had a lot of weird things like Fumbling a punt and Stetson Bennett threw an interception at the Kent State five yard line. So, all right, weird game, 17 point win. They got the job done. But then last week, to be down in the fourth quarter at Missouri, same team that Auburn played the week before, jumped on 14 0 and ended up, you know, fortunate to win the game in overtime, but won the game nonetheless. Um, it, 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 it that was just an uninspiring performance by Georgia. Now the fourth quarter they did take over and dominate the game, uh, but it it just makes you wonder if this Georgia team just doesn't have that killer instinct that last year they had, which happens to a lot of teams that win championships that uh, that aren't accustomed to it. You know, Alabama doesn't happen to them because they're used to winning championships. They're used to just coming back next year and 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 refocusing. Georgia hasn't had that happen. This is a new thing for them. Same thing that happened with LSU a couple of years ago. They won a national championship. wasn't quite a uh, totally new thing for them, but it was new for their program as far as like the last 10 years, and it went really bad for them. It went really sideways to the point where Ed Orgeron got fired. So you have to wonder if there, there might be some things behind the scenes that we're not even seeing that might be causing these uh Underwhelming performances for Georgia. Still a great team, but I'll tell you right now, the point spread's thirty points, and that's double the largest line that Georgia's ever laid in this game. Uh, it, it, and at least as far back as our records go, we have point spreads back in nineteen seventy-six. Fifteen points last year, the Georgia was laying the Auburn was the largest point spread in series history back to seventy-six. This year, they're doubling that at thirty.
1: Holy cow! So
5: that seems like <laughs> yeah, that seems like an overlay to me I don't like the way George is playing uh if you're asking if you were to ask me who I think is going to cover this game I I do think Auburn will uh but I I also think that uh you know George is a a scary team to to play because they they could put the throttle on anybody
3: let's look at the rest of the SEC now Chris and uh, you got a couple other top 10 teams beyond the, the obvious of Alabama and Georgia where you got Tennessee at number eight and you got Ole Miss at number nine uh, which one of those teams to you do you feel has uh, the best chance to make some noise? Obviously, each team has that big super team in their own division that's been uh, been dominant as of late. But, but do you like Ole Miss's chances of taking down Alabama more or Tennessee's taking down Georgia?
5: I'll give Tennessee a slight edge mainly because of how Georgia's playing this year. And I do like Tennessee's offense a little more than I like Ole Miss's offense. I'll I'll take Hendon Hooker over Jackson Dart, especially you know after seeing the first five games. My question is, who has Ole Miss beat? Um, Troy is a you know a good sunbelt Belt team. I, I respect Troy's program. That they did not overwhelmingly beat Troy. They beat Central Arkansas, an FCS program, a dumpster fire Georgia Tech team, forty two nothing, and then against Tulsa. Tulsa was down to their backup quarterback and uh, Ole Miss won that game by eight and was shut out in the second half. It was a 35-14 game in the second quarter and Ole Miss didn't score a point in the second half. That was kind of concerning to me. And then last week, even last week, uh, I I thought Ole Miss had a chance to flex their muscles at home against Kentucky and they didn't do it. They only won by three. I think that Tennessee's a little more battle-tested. I've seen a little more from them. The the Florida game, you know, they, they only won by five, but they were up by 17 in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Pitt, I, I know that Pitt lost to Georgia Tech last week, but that was a good win on the road. So I have some concerns about Tennessee's defense and the way they give up passing yards. But I think that if you're asking me between the two, Tennessee and uh, Ole Miss, I like Tennessee better as a team, and I think Tennessee's bet- situation is better – uh, against Georgia versus Alabama, versus Ole Miss, you know, assuming Bryce Young will come back healthy, which I, I, that's plenty of time between now and then. I, I I can't imagine Bryce Young won't be healthy by then. That game is not until November twelfth, and they're coming. Uh, they'll be you know coming off some games where I think Alabama should ha- should roll easily. So I think that Alabama will be in, in better shape than Georgia will at that time. I, I think that. Tennessee probably has a little bit of a better chance to navigate and you know be that underdog team to win the division.
3: From a couple of teams that are up towards the top of the SEC to a team that was supposed to be towards the top of the SEC but is not right now, Texas A&M. Obviously, they've got the Alabama matchup that everyone was drooling over in the offseason, but now maybe drooling because of. Now, you, so you've got this that will probably put A&M down to 3-3. Three and three. How bad might it get for Texas A&M this year?
5: Well, the schedule is not favorable, you know. Now you do come back after a lot, after losing to Alabama, which is probably going to happen. Uh you're going to be 3 and 3 and you play South Carolina, but that is on the road against Spencer Rattler who, you know, they haven't looked great, but I think they're improving and Shane Beamer's team last year didn't look great at the beginning of the year and they improved as the year went you get a home game against Ole Miss which I think is going to be huge for uh, A&M if they want to get things back to where you know there's some positivity going into next season that is a game they probably have to win because otherwise you could be 4 and 4 maybe even 3 and 5 if things were to go bad at South Carolina and I don't know if you can rebound from that they get Florida at home and again that's a tough game at Auburn you know we'll see what happens between now and now with Auburn and you know the coaching situation uh... you get a gimme game against UMass and they end the season with LSU at home nice thing for them is they do end with four or five home games so the, the, the home games are, front, are back loaded but I just don't know about the quarterback situation with Haynes King now it looks like he's going to be the starter the rest of the way after Max Johnson was hurt And he is just looks like a turnover machine. They lost A. Smith, uh, their star wide receiver, and and, and, you know, really an all-purpose guy for them. I I have some serious concerns about A&M right now, but you know, I don't know if they can make a change just because of how big Jimbo's uh, (laughs) buyout is.
1: Chris Van Dyne is here with us from Phil Steele Publications. All right, let's move on to another SEC school here. Talk to me about Arkansas and Mississippi State, a game being played tomorrow. How could you see this one playing out, Chris?
5: It really depends on KJ Jefferson's status. They, I, I just, I can't, I can't fathom what the Arkansas offense will look like without him it didn't look great with Cade Fortin at the helm KJ Jefferson just adds such a, a dynamic threat as a runner and a passer and without him I just think that Arkansas offense becomes very very one dimensional you know then you're really relying on your running backs and I, I love their running backs But I just don't know if they can get it done just relying on those guys. The receivers haven't really stood out. We knew that when they they lost Traylon Burks, it was going to be a big step down. They need someone to step up, which they really haven't had yet. Matt Landers is a a big play threat, but he doesn't catch enough passes. And Jaden Hazelwood from Oklahoma has been solid, but they don't have that standout threat if if they can't uh, rely on K.J. Jefferson as a dual threat. Uh, Mississippi State is a team that, that's playing really well. Last week, you know, that was a little bit of a deceiving final score, uh, 42-24 against A&M, but even Mike Leach admitted uh, it, the score wasn't really indicative of how that game was played. It, A&M had, uh, a, you know, blocked field goal return for a touchdown. I think that Mississippi State had a fumble uh, that they returned for a touchdown. So it, it, it wasn't quite the... Uh, Four point blowout or 26 point blowout, that uh, to 28 point blowout, that it looks, uh, because I, I can't do math. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but a you know, or I'm, I'm sorry, Mississippi State is, is playing really well this year, four and one. Their loan loss at LSU, they're at home this game, so you know, they're, they're it seems like they're really playing well with the cowbell behind them. Uh, I, I, I like Arkansas when Sam Pittman's an underdog. That they really play well with that underdog mentality. I just can't have a whole lot of confidence unless I know Sam uh, unless I know uh, Sam Pittman has KJ Jefferson under center because otherwise I just don't know what that Ar- Arkansas offense looks like and it could be a scary situation for the Hogs.
1: Chris Van Dyne's here with us on the program. Always appreciative of his time. Auburn and Georgia tomorrow should be a good one. Chris, thanks again for stopping by. Before you go, though, please let us know about everything going on there at the website with you and Phil Steele.
5: Oh, sure. Go to philsteel.com. He has the Inside the Press box uh, available this week. You want to get all Phil Steele's picks, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisV160, and I'm also uh, the host of the PowerSuite podcast from North Coast Sports. Uh, So definitely check it out. Uh, PowerSuite podcast, Twitter at ChrisV160, and uh, philsteel.com for all your Phil Steele picks.
1: Absolutely love it. We'll talk again soon, okay?
5: Thanks, guys. appreciate
1: you. All right. That's Chris Van Dyne from Field Steel Publications. He's joining us here on Sports Call.
0: Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say Alexa Play Sports Call Auburn. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
1: Welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, my name is JJ Jackson, inside the studio today with Cam Berry and Ryan LaVoy. Our thanks again to Chris Van Dyne for joining us on the show. The numbers that they've got at philsteel.com. remarkable stuff. Always enjoy breaking down the SEC with Chris or Phil himself when they've got time to join us here on Auburn's First In Auburn's favorite sports talk show. If you just turn the radio on and you're like, wait a minute, they just had Chris Van Dyne on the show, fear not. You can go back and listen on our Sports Call podcast that's brought to you by Coca Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice cold Coca Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca Cola. Taste the feeling. Let's go to our phone lines as we've got a few moments left here in hour number two of the program today. And joining us here on Sports Call Now, we have...
0: Wardam Steve.
1: Retired Wardam Steve has joined the program. Hello, Steve. And I'm back again. Good afternoon, guys. Good
8: afternoon. Hey there. Okay, so it's uh, UJJ. JJ. Uh, it's Mr. Uh, Ryan Boy.
3: And uh, Cam Berry. Yep.
8: And Cam Berry. All right. The usual suspects. So oh, I was listening to Mr. Chris. Uh, is it uh, Chris Van Dyke's or what is it?
3: Chris Van Dyne.
8: Van Dyne. Okay. So I'll go ahead and let you know what he didn't tell us uh, on the show. I just listened to the podcast from Mr. Phil Steele. Uh, his uh, six picks for the week that you don't have to pay for, uh, and then you can lose you know for free. Uh, he is taking Auburn plus thirty.
3: He he alluded to that. He said he didn't think uh, he didn't think Georgia would cover that either.
8: Yeah, so I have a category from now on I'm going to call uh, Inquiring Minds Want to Know. So uh, what I'm going to ask you guys, and, you know, uh, during a Super Bowl, uh, the, the odds makers will have props, you know, throughout for all kind of crazy things. Well, here's my Inquiring Minds Want to Know prop for the Auburn-Georgia game. Yes or no, who are you going to go with? Will Auburn score 80 points in the second half or not? Yes or no,
2: guys?
3: Uh I'm no. going to say yes. No.
2: I am I, saying no.
3: You'd think they would stumble into something That's at some point. Um, but I'll go no.
1: No, I love a good stumble.
3: <laughs> guys, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this much. This comes from just,
8: our guy, Justin Ferguson. Okay. Uh, Jason Caldwell quoted him uh, in his uh, – Friday uh, Friday mailbags, he said this. Uh, Okay, here we go. He says, uh, I'm going to credit Justin Ferguson for the numbers that he looked up this week. In a story he did this week, Justin Ferguson mentioned that in the last 16 games, Auburn has scored just two touchdowns in the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. Auburn has given up 15 touchdowns during that same span, guys have sixteen games. Justin Ferguson went on, went on to say, "I don't even remember seeing anything close to that big of a gap. For a team that has been competitive.
3: Yeah, can't can't finish yeah. the half and can't start the next one. That has uh, been something that I think the guys have talked a lot about on the show throughout this week. Is is the the middle eight, and I, I that's how Belichick of uh, the Patriots refers to it. I, I haven't referred to it as that. I just simply." You want to get that last possession of the first half and the first possession of the second half. That's why. That's why teams kick when they win the toss now, uh, a lot of times. And Auburn, you just go back just just one week sample size. Just go back to the LSU game. LSU mm. scores a touchdown uh, with with 45 seconds left or so, or a minute left in the uh, in the first half, and 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 that's huge. That that kind of thing takes the game from a two-possession game down to a three-point game just like that so Auburn's clearly had trouble finishing half starting the second half too
8: yeah and you know uh Ryan and the guys uh anybody else listening you know uh I looked up these stats when Auburn is leading at the half they have a 70 I think it's 73 or 74 percent uh winning percentage impressive that, that doesn't even hold true anymore. Uh, when I was in the game for the LSU game, I thought, okay, we've got a darn good chance of pulling this game out because we were winning at the half. That doesn't seem to hold true for this coaching staff.
3: I was about to say, honestly, 73%, 74% even, isn't even as high as maybe it could be because I feel like you know, just just think of Auburn's program as a whole. I mean, when you start the game – Normally, Auburn, since they go eight and four, nine and three, a lot they have about a seventy percent chance. Just if you're looking right. very broadly, they have about a seventy percent chance of winning the game. So honestly, that that means it really doesn't get any better just because Auburn leads a half. It's actually about the same.
8: Well, well, I'm taking into account because you know, this percentage takes into account you know really uh, season by season, uh, sometimes really tough SEC opponents. Because we play Auburn and Georgia, uh, I mean, when we play Alabama and Georgia at, at home. Uh, then, you know, leading the half is not, not necessarily guarantee of anything. Right. But anyway, having said all that, guys, you know, uh, I, I really don't know uh, if the team, you know, has mailed it in. I heard Chris's comments. He thinks he's really impressed with our uh, uh, linebackers, our defensive front seven. You know, but again we're almost at the bottom when it came to red zone scoring defense. So I don't know what he's you know, thinking when he's that impressed because we shouldn't be number 13.
1: Right.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously with the, the red zone defense, you're, you're referring to him being impressed with the defense overall or the red zone defense?
8: Well, no, he said he was really impressed by our linebackers, right, and the front seven. Well, where are they when it comes to that that particular category you know red zone scoring defense
3: right i mean that that particular category is not very good i think overall obviously they've the last two weeks they've given auburn the opportunity to win the game i mean they kept auburn you know they kept lsu under 300 yards total last week auburn had like five chances to win the game with their offense and didn't do it. Right. And then against Missouri, obviously, that you know Auburn did not score in the second half, nor did they allow points in the second half for the rest of the game. So I think more so just talking about playing these these SEC teams here the last couple of weeks and the defense allowing the offense that opportunity to win these games.
1: And it's still like when you're trying to pick problems with this Auburn football team, the front seven is not going to be the first thing that you right. say, Secondary, oh, we got to fix that. Yeah, you know? the,
3: the front seven's been fine, yeah.
8: Yeah, but what it is, guys, is, they're playing too darn much, too many snaps. We have mm, uh, hardly any depth uh, to give him a break. I mean, I, I told you this week uh, Derek Hall played, what, 78 snaps? and old, He played old a lot. Nine. Yeah, very much yeah. so. You can't keep doing that. Uh, for Alabama, can you? Yeah, think we'll be worn
3: out. Obviously, yeah. you want to rotate the D lineman. The, the linebackers playing the whole game is fine. Linebackers typically do play the whole game, if, if not maybe just a few less snaps in the whole game. That, that's not abnormal. The defensive line, though, I think your top D lineman, you want to play maybe three-quarters of the snaps, uh, somewhere in there, maybe 80% of the snaps, and then you have the D tackles play more around 50 60%. Uh, so, yeah, the defensive line you do not want – any guys out there, 90%, 95% of the snaps. But linebackers, that's totally normal.
8: Yeah, so I, I was just uh, – uh, I was taken aback. In fact, I was struck by Chris's comments saying that how uh, Auburn is really a better team than what many people might think. Well, so I think I saw it in person, you know, uh, both losses, unfortunately, the Penn State and the LSU game. So, guys, uh, well, where, where where am I – uh, I guess why why am I surprised uh, by that comment? I shouldn't be surprised that he thought that Auburn is a better team than many people think they are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just in a lot of ways, I don't know that he was going to jump on the show and all of a sudden just start bashing uh, the Auburn Tigers for what they've been. We know we're well aware. We talk about it every single day uh, about where this team falls short in a variety of different categories and that sort of thing, and so uh, we'll see what it looks like tomorrow against Georgia. I thought he brought up good points about how wide of a spread that is for the Tigers and uh, how it's never happened before in the history of this rival game. Last year, it was astronomical to be a 15-point spread, and now you've doubled that this season. I mean, it's uh, it's very clear that this isn't a good Auburn football team compared to what we've seen for the most part over the last few seasons.
8: Yeah, you know, I know it used to be the old, called the oldest rivalry. Now I'm just going to call it the oldest game. <laughs> no, uh, sometimes it doesn't if,
1: feel like a rivalry if one team's not winning
8: well I mean what we're what uh,
1: 2017 was our last year that we won and 8? then uh, we haven't yeah. won in Athens since 05
8: right I mean that, that's that's not a rivalry yeah. uh, and that's, we, yes, we used to lead that that rivalry that's right. uh, for a while Okay. last uh, thought well, Steve and then we got to get still, to one more caller before the end of the hour alright guys um, I just saw the uh, Well, well, the actual World Series predictions uh, from the Athletic. Have you seen their predictions?
1: I've seen a couple from uh, ESPN and that sort of thing, but not from the Athletic. But I know a lot of people are starting to buy into the reigning World Series champion Atlanta Braves, potentially winning it two straight years.
8: Well, I wish that was so, but according to the Athletic staff, uh, here's here's, based on their percentage of votes, here's what they voted. They voted uh, 34.6% of their Uh, Riders voted the Astros.
1: Okay, gotcha, yeah.
8: 30.8% voted who? The Dodgers. Okay. And then finally the Braves come in third on the percentage of voters, uh, their their Riders, 15.4%. All right. What do you think, guys? Do you I like with those? those odds. Yeah,
1: those are uh, obviously the three best teams, and I think if we were to place money down, those would be kind think, of the favorites in that order.
3: I think Houston gives you the best value because I think that there's a bigger gap between them and the second-best team in the American League versus the Dodgers and Braves, whoever you see that shaking out. So I think you get better value out of picking the Astros just because I think they've got a, a, a more clear path to make the World Series.
8: God, I hate the cheaters to be in this thing again.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't like the Astros either.
8: Uh, I, I, I'm, I I'm surprised really. I saw the Braves only fifteen point four percent of their voters uh actually, you know, think they're they're gonna win not gonna win the I guess win the uh, the World Series. I, I get even better odds than that.
1: All right, Steve. Well we got that's a fun got. weekend ahead, sir.
8: So, yeah, Mr. Ryan Boy, yes, don't sir. smile. Don't
3: smile. <laughs> I won't.
8: All right, that's all I'm gonna say. Uh I hope you see the movie and then we'll talk about it. So with that guys, I hope you all enjoy. The, uh, the afternoon and the weekend. Uh, I'm going to do my best to just watch this game and not have any expectations um, and hope that we don't get embarrassed. Good deal. So, guys, talk to you next week, next Monday, hopefully. Until then, War Eagle always, no matter what.
1: War Eagle. War Eagle. There's our good power, retired Ward Amp Steve joining us on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you would like to call it and be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. And joining us now on the program, we've got our very good pal, Tony from Tuskegee. Tony has called in to Sports Call here today. Hello, Tony.
6: How are you
1: We're good, man. How are you?
6: All right. Yeah, I still think I'm not crazy. And I don't believe Georgia scored 30 points in the, in the line 30. Correct. Yeah. And I can't believe all these Auburn fans are rational thinking, you know. But my thing is that Auburn will beat Georgia. I've watched our Auburn play. I mean, Georgia played all year. And uh, Auburn's just been so close. If they can just about play air free, they'll beat Georgia. But they, they've been close, just a few little simple Mistakes in which you can't fault coaching. You can't fault coaching. Um, last week. But um, only thing I I would like. I don't want to say anything on the air. But when be joined us to tomorrow, I like to come and sit down in a chair between both of y'all for a second and get up.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: I have a good one. Hey, and, all right, Tony. And,
1: and, and, and War Eagle. Hey, War, War, Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. I like There's, his confidence. He's got a lot of confidence. I like it. We love it. I Let's can, see I what can, can appreciate happen. It. I'm I'm ready for kickoff. Yeah, you know, I'm ready we've for got a we've man. got a few hours to go, just under twenty four until uh we've got Auburn and Georgia tomorrow in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. We will wait and see how that goes. All right, that brings the second hour of our show to a close when we come back. One more hour, including a conversation. With Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network. We'll be back in just a moment here on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. Two hours of the Bucks, and we're rolling. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson, Cam and Ryan LaVoy. Excited to be chatting with our pal Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network here in just a little bit as the Atlanta Braves get set for the National League Division Series next Tuesday. They will take on the winner of the St. Louis Cardinals and Philadelphia Phillies as they play a three-game series in the wild card over this upcoming weekend. Also taking place this weekend, we have loads of football, college football galore. National Football League returns on Sunday as well, and the Auburn Tigers play in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. We've mentioned it once or twice already today, gentlemen, but we've got seven SEC versus SEC football games taking place this weekend, including Auburn and Georgia being one of them
3: well and the game of the year you know alabama and <laughs> Texas alabama. Right. the game we've
2: all been waiting
3: for <laughs> I, I was uh, i was so just talking to a, just talking to a buddy about this um i we were trying to remember when cbs announced this would be a night game if they announced it like as the season was starting before the season or if they announced it when tv times came out the other week because yeah, but as the season starting before the season, totally understand why this is their their night game. Right, this was the night game for them last yeah, yeah, year, yeah. and obviously right, all yeah. the pomp and circumstance with with Jimbo <laughs> and Nick Saban coming into this year. However, if they chose just like a week or two ago, you know, basically post Texas A and M losing to App State, you had to know this game was not going to be the premier matchup no. that it was slated to be. So, I, I want I'm trying to decide if I have like an ounce of sympathy for. Um, for CBS having this as their primetime night game because I mean look, on top of the fact you think Alabama will, will have no problems with Texas A&M, they probably will still have no problems and the reigning Heisman Trophy winner might not play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so you'll so. just have Milrow run around for a couple hundred yards and, and beat him up that way. So uh, kind of a laugher that that ends up being what it is going to be. Texas A&M going to drop 3-3 three and three in all likelihood after that but yeah, man, excited for another weekend in college football. And look, I don't I don't I know it will not go well in Athens for Auburn. That's fine. Yeah, it's we still it's it. it's college football and we get it for like a quarter of the year and we talk about it for how long in the offseason, so still trying to enjoy all the little things about it, little teams that you kind of like, some coaches that you like, some coaches you want to come to Auburn. You just kind of follow the whole nine yards, and uh, so I'm still excited about the weekend.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun, and uh, again, we've got Auburn tomorrow, kickoff 2.30. PM Central Time in the afternoon. Watch it on CBS. The Tiger Tailgate Show gets started at 11:30 AM with Andy Burcham on the play-by-play call for that one. 3:30 PM Eastern Time as the game is being played in the state of Georgia. Let me show off Ryan Lavoy and his unique talents here for a moment before we get to break. Before we chat with Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network, tell me what's compelling about South Carolina and Kentucky going into this matchup tomorrow. Kentucky at home as a six-point favorite. Yeah, well, I, you so, have no prep for this question at all. I'm just great. throwing well, you on the spot. That's why I like to show you off.
3: But the big thing is Will Levis is questionable. Uh, yeah, and so you start to think about how they've not protected him well this year. Uh, you right. go back to the Ole Miss game. Why did Ole Miss win that game? They because tore, they, they they tore him up. Caused a couple yeah. fumbles. Got in the backfield a lot. They, you know, he was beaten up a little bit. He was playing a little yeah. bit injured in that game by the uh, by the second half. And so finger
1: uh, going the wrong direction that oh. wasn't fun to look at. Oh, and sh-
3: the favorite oh, thing about shoot. that play, I, I joked about it with you, is that he showed that was on the intentional grounding play, uh-huh. and he showed the ref that like almost like see you can't call grounding. Like I just <laughs> I just had a dislocated <laughs> finger. You, there's a rule. There's a new Pooing rule a that different direction. Right, right. Have if you mercy. dislocate, if, if a it was body going part. the right direction, <laughs> I would have thrown it at a receiver. Obviously, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. um, but so yeah, I think the biggest thing with that is is just does. Levis' play, the good news for Kentucky at being at home – I think they can still run and defense their way to a win yeah, yeah, because yeah. Rattler has not been great. He's been okay, yeah. and South Carolina has just been okay. They've not been kind of what was marketed by Shane Beamer, and and they're not coming out on the high end of their yeah, projections they scale. They're not
2: that team that's supposed to take that next step, like right, they
3: were. Right, and so you know, I I still like Kentucky in this game, but if Levis doesn't play, I do think it will be a four quarter one possession game. But it's just going to be a matter of of that. And, look, we've got health issues around the SEC this yeah. week. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we've been talking about Robbie Asher for a couple weeks now and, and and that sort of thing. Well, the, that decision or lack thereof decision became clear when T.J. Finley's not healthy enough to play. you got Bryce Young that could potentially miss. K.J. Jefferson looks like he's not going to play. Will Levis is in trouble you got banged Any word
2: up? On, Jaden, uh, on Jaden Daniels? Yeah, he's, good. he's good. He's to good to go. He's good, i would going to say, because he did get hurt during the Auburn I can't game.
3: promise you he's 100%, but there's no word <laughs> of him not playing. Uh, yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, you got banged up. Quarterback's already four of the 14 at least, five at least with some sort of nagging injury. And so, uh, yeah, I think the storyline is just the health there uh, in that game.
1: Going to be fun for sure. College football tomorrow. Lots of great matchups to be had. Kept McAlpin joins the program right after this.
0: Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m.
5: I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports
2: Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson and Ryan Lavoie here with you. And on this Friday, as we do for so many Fridays, we're so thrilled to be able to chat with our good pal, Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network, about your 2022 National League Eastern Division champion, Atlanta Braves. Kevin, the time is so greatly appreciated. Did you honestly think that we would get back to this point in talking about a Braves club that's won five divisions in a row now? Yeah,
9: it looked a little bleak. Uh, there's no doubt about it throughout the majority of this summer if they were going to just have enough time. That was the one thing, guys, I think you started looking at the calendar and going, I just don't know if there's enough days left uh, in the year for them to be able to catch the Mets, who entering the month of September had such a favorable schedule. They had such an easy road, and they you know, had some teams play spoiler alert against them. They could not handle their business against the Cubs they lost a couple really awful games to the Nationals uh the Pirates as well so ultimately you know the Braves capitalized and they did exactly what they had to do last weekend coming in the narrative was the Mets just need to win one well they win none Braves do sweep and then of course we know they hold that all-important tiebreaker so I I didn't doubt that this was a team that was good enough to be a first place ball club I just didn't know if In that final month, they would have enough days left to make up that ground, but they do, and here they are getting a couple of much-needed days off.
1: One of the things that uh, doesn't get enough attention, and it hardly ever does when things are going really well, it's only in the trying times that you make it more of a point. But, man, you look at September and, and the first few games here in October for that Braves bullpen. They're pitching their best at the right time of year, under two ERA for that bullpen. What can you say about the work of those guys? Yeah,
9: they've been the unsung heroes, and it's hard to say that they're unsung heroes because of how – important of a role they've served. But I mean, between what Colin McHugh has given you and Dylan Lee finding himself in higher leverage, late-game situations, um, looking at Jackson Stevens being a guy that's sort of come out of nowhere, uh, Jesse Chavez comes back, uh, Tyler Matic hasn't necessarily been him the, the same Matic that he was a year ago, but still a guy you can rely on. Uh, Minter's done it all year. Now you throw Iglesias in there with Jansen, who I know a lot of fans were you know kind of clamoring for maybe they need to do something different in the ninth inning. But Snit did what Snit did last year, and he stuck with his closer through some times that maybe weren't as pretty as you would have hoped, and he's been rewarded for that loyalty. So, yeah, it's, it's funny. We, we call the bullpen the unsung heroes, and I've said that a number of times here locally in Atlanta, but it's almost hard to believe they can still be unsung with the role that they had to serve for this team, especially over the last few
3: weeks. And, Kevin, when you look at um, really the, the whole pitching staff, too, if you were going to go back at the stars and the way – Charlie Morton pitched in the second half. Obviously Spencer Strider being such a big surprise. Kyle Wright leading Major League Baseball in wins. Uh, of all these things, and obviously Max Fried doing his thing, of all these things, what are you most pleased with? What, what was the maybe the biggest key throughout the season of the Braves pitching staff?
9: Well, I think adding Spencer Strider it really helps solidify things. You go back to May – where, you know, early on in the season, April and May, you had some moving parts. You tried out Muller. That didn't work. Elder got a few starts. That didn't work. He went back down. Uh, you know, Noah didn't pan out. And Ian Anderson, let's not forget, guys, Ian Anderson, who's been a guy who's been so pivotal for you in the postseason the last couple of years, really wasn't a part of this thing. He he just could never get it going. And even at A, his numbers weren't great. You know, he scuffled down there. And, um, you know, I think that you saw just a season where, you know, He kind of showed that he's still not a finished product. So ultimately, the pitching staff, once you got Spencer Strider in there, really helped stabilize things. And obviously the question all summer was, is there gonna be an innings limit or how are they gonna protect him or you know, make sure they don't overdo it? And all he did was go to the post every five days for you. So you can't say enough good things about the job Strider did, you know, did for you. And now you just keep your fingers crossed that he is able to go for the division series. That will be huge. Get that arm back. But I do think, you know, Max is Max. He keeps on just doing it every five days for you, year in and year out. Uh, Charlie Morton hasn't been as consistent as you would have liked, uh, but clearly they saw some things this year, some metrics, some numbers that told them uh, they feel good about, you know, giving him $20 million as a 39 year old next year. Uh, Kyle Wright, 21 wins. He leads all of Major League Baseball in victories. And I probably sound like a dinosaur to some talking about wins and pitcher wins, but 20 wins is still a really, really big deal. You could not wipe the smile off his face when I talked to him a few days ago about it. Uh, and again, the job that other guys did, you know, sort of bridging the gap. Um, it's really been a collective effort. It's been a true team effort. Probably feels like a cliche, but it really is. it means uh, so much more when you see the way that these guys have all had an impact.
3: And, Kevin, want to look at the lineup for just a second, or in particular the Mets series, before we start talking about the, the postseason roster and, w- and what lies ahead. Because we talked about that Matt Olsen was having arguably the worst month of his career. And he goes and he hits three home runs in that Mets series as well as Dansby Swanson. And just at the timeliness of this team, I don't know if there's a, a, a real question here, but it, it just seemed like they – at the right time, for whatever reason, guys that were on this team last year that know what it's like to play in big games and guys that were not on this team, they came together in the most important yeah. series of the year.
9: Yeah, they did. There's no question. And look, that's, that's sort of been the M.O. of this team the last few years is really step up when it matters the most. When they need to get victories, they find a way to get that job done. And look, I'll say this about Matt Olson first year with a new team, switching coast. He's got a lot more family in the building. He's playing for his hometown team and he's taking over for Freddie Freeman. There's a lot going on there. When you start talking about year one for a guy on a new team, who oh, by the way, got the largest contract in franchise history, uh, only to be you know surpassed by Austin Riley a few months later. But, um, I mean, look, give me 30 and 100 from Matt Olsen every year and I will be just fine with the, those kinds of numbers. Um, I, he's had a good year. If you look at it on a whole, obviously there's some, some, some areas you'd like to see uh, more consistency from, uh, but I don't think you can be upset or be disappointed about the year you got from him. Uh, again, I think it took a little bit of an adjustment period. The, the one thing I'll say about Matt is I don't think his defense was as good as it can be. I think you're going to see a much better defensive first baseman moving forward. Again, I think you've only scratched the surface of what you're going to get from this guy. So Again, if 30-100 and 100 is your, your first uh, you know, way to ingrain yourself in a new fan base, I think it can only go up from there.
1: Kevin McCalpin of the Braves Radio Network is joining us here on Sports Call. Atlanta will play in the playoffs, uh, awaiting some wildcard weekend festivities, and then they'll get at it in the division series next week. So talking about this club, jumping into the postseason, the health is a big factor of everybody. We know Ronald Acuna Jr. missing the postseason a year ago. This year, it's Ozzy Albies and Str- Spencer Strider that so many people have their eyes on. What is your gut telling you? What are the reports out there on whether or not these two players will be available? Kevin?
9: I think Strider will be for the division series. I don't think Ozzy will be. I think it's going to take a long run to get Ozzy back in there. Um, I just he still has the cast on. Now I know he's been doing baseball activities and taking some ground balls with Wash, but he's still you know not throwing obviously with that cast on his on his right uh, wrist area. So um, I think I'm a lot more optimistic about Strider than I am about Ozzy. And again, hopefully it would be a case where they do advance and you could get Ozzy back in there. But I'll say this. Tip of the cap to Orlando Arcea. Job well done by this guy who has just stepped in, and, and as Smith calls him, and I love the way he described it, he said Orlando's a dude. I mean, that's just the best way to describe the guy. <laughs> he's just a dude. And he comes in and he's had huge hits, bottom of the lineup, plays really good defense. Um, not a knock on Vaughn Grissom because he had some big moments as well, but I think you ride that hot hand. It's funny, I got a text from a former Braves player who I will remain nameless, but uh, he's one that you're all very well familiar with, who played this game for a very long time. And it was on the series when the Braves were in D.C. last week, and he said, any reason why Gresham's not playing? And I said, well, R. C. is homered in three straight games in D.C. And then about 15 minutes later, I had to text this player back and say, Update, R.C. has now homered in four straight games in D.C., <laughs> and then the very next night I had to say, well, there's number five, and his response was, well, there you go. That answers that. So uh, I think it's just a matter of riding the hot hand. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a lot more optimistic about Strider than Ozzy. And, again, hopefully it is a situation where you can plug a, a healthy body with fresh legs into the LCS roster. That would be huge for this team if that was the case for Ozzy.
3: So with those couple of injuries and, and knowing that Ozzy will probably not be ready for the NLDS, what, what are the roster decisions that the Braves have to make? Is a guy like mm-hmm. Marcel Zuna safe? Uh, what kind of pitching uh, dilemma might they have at the end of the rotation? If Strider can't go, just what goes into the postseason roster decisions?
9: Yeah, well, that's I think Marcel did enough this month to 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 earn a spot on the team. Look, you're not going to use him a whole lot probably, uh, but having that bat off the bench is huge. So I think that this is probably a month where he needed to prove himself a little bit, which is weird to say for a guy who's been around as long as Marcel has. But obviously I think, you know, he had a a decent September, much better September than he's had, you know, most of this year. So I think he did enough. As far as the decisions to make, um, I think it'll come down to, okay, uh, what are you doing as far as maybe a backup infielder slash backup outfielder? Uh, You know, Ozuna would be an emergency situation if something happened and you needed to run him out there in the outfield. But I think that if if he does appear, it'll be coming off the bench. I think it really comes down to a couple of spots in the pen. Uh, I don't expect any real surprises, guys. you know your your everyday lineup is set. Um, you've got uh, you know your guys coming off the bench, where uh, you know it would probably be a combination of of Grissom uh, and whoever's not catching that night is probably DHing. So it'll probably be Contreras DHing more nights than not. Uh, so again, I do think it's, it's going to come down to one or two moves. Uh, maybe a, you know, a guy that they could come off the bench and help you. Uh, maybe a, a potential uh, late game base runner or something like that. But um, I don't expect us to get this, uh, this roster on Monday or Tuesday morning and say, wow, I can't believe this guy's in and that guy's off. Um, your, your team pretty much is what it is right now.
1: Kevin McCalpin here with us on the program today ahead of the Braves postseason run. Ronald Acuna Jr. will get to play for Atlanta this time around. What, uh, what does he mean to this club? And obviously a, a year that the numbers weren't necessarily eye-popping in terms of the home run production and that sort of thing. But his health yeah. and, and his status going into the postseason and what it can all mean.
9: Well, I think he's fired up for it. You know, you saw those games against the Mets. He was he was really jacked up for those games. Um, look, he missed it last year. He had to sit around and watch his team win a World Series without him. Um, That's tough. That's really, really hard to do. So, if anybody is itching to get out there, it's Ronald. And I'm just going to tell you right now: I don't know who they're playing. I don't care who they're playing. I think Ronald's going to have himself a really, really big division series. Um, I think he's just so so amped up to be out there, and I think he's feeling good too. That's the big thing. That leg was just kind of, you know, it was just lingering all summer, where it just wasn't wasn't getting a whole lot worse, but I don't think it was getting a whole lot better. And, look, four, four months off will do him wonders going into next season, and we hope that it is maybe closer to three and a half months uh, than the four-month uh, end of things uh, by the time that this postseason run ends. But ultimately, you know, he's a guy that can change the game with one swing. He, he's a threat to have at the top of your lineup. He's a guy that, you know, obviously if you're an opposing starting pitcher, you can't just try to, you know, get ahead with strike one to start a game, or you're down one nothing before you blink. So uh, having him in right field has made you a much better uh, defensive ball club. There's no denying that. Between him and Harris, and you know whether it's Rosario or, or Grossman or you know whoever you put in left field, you feel so much better about your outfield now than you did um, you know, in the last, first couple of months of the season. It was, it was hard to watch some nights. So I just think having 13 back up there, and what that means for the bottom of your order, guys, you got more RBI from the ninth spot in your lineup than any other team in Major League Baseball, and I don't think that's a shock, knowing that Acuna is lurking behind whoever they've plugged into that ninth spot. So um, it certainly had a, a trickle-down effect as well for guys in other spots in the order, namely those hitting eighth and ninth in your lineup.
1: Dansby Swanson, ready to roll for another postseason. Obviously, the contract is looming. Career-high 96 runs driven in this year. Swanson at shortstop. What is the postseason forecast for him, Kevin?
9: Well, it's funny. If you would have asked me this two, three months ago, I probably would have told you, man, this might be the last few games we see a Dansby in a brave uniform. I just find that hard to believe. Now, look, his value has gone significantly up. We're not denying (laughs) that. Uh, But, you know, I just think that it's such a perfect marriage. He wants to be here. The team wants him here. Now, I know a year ago we were having these same conversations with Freddie Freeman, name in the conversation as opposed to Dancy Swanson. But I just think that if you are able to lock him up long-term, think about your infield guy. If you have Riley for a decade, you could have Swanson for five, six, seven years. You have Ozzy. He's not going anywhere for another five or six years. You've got Olsen for eight more years, maybe up to nine more, or whatever the math ends up being. That is huge. That is unbelievable to have that kind of continuity on one team. And that goes to show you that obviously they're not just trying to win it last year and this year. They're trying to win it for the next decade, guys. They're not letting pieces walk away. So while earlier this season I may have told you that uh, you know I think Dansby might end up elsewhere, and you know who knows, maybe it's Trey Turner or Carlos Correa or somebody else playing shortstop for the Braves in 2023, I just don't feel like that's the case anymore. I think they'll find a way to get it done. Probably doesn't happen until after the season. And obviously, if he hits free agency, anything can happen. We know that. But um, I just find it hard to believe he'll be playing anywhere
1: other than here. Excited to see him wearing that Braves uniform for this postseason run and then last player to touch on here Michael Harris the second as you mentioned uh, the rookie that gets to play in the postseason for the first time in his career what a sensational season he had Uh, folks might worry about what he's going to be able to do when the lights start shining brighter here in the postseason but I think most of Braves country is ready to see him rock and roll out there in center field.
9: Well Money Mike has not been intimidated or overwhelmed by any scenario <laughs> any situation matter of fact guys they, this guy hit like 390 with runners in scoring position i mean he wow. was clutch a night in and night out. Defense, gold glove worthy. Look, when you've got Andrew Jones mouthing the words, wow, on, on balls, he's getting down in the gap. Uh, Andrew knows a thing or two about playing uh, gold glove center field, as we all know. Uh, he just makes it look so easy. But, again, he hasn't been intimidated or backed down from anything. And uh, it's, very, it's very exciting to to see where he is at this point in his career. Just 21 years old, one of the youngest guys in all of Major League Baseball, but you'd never know it watching him play this game. Uh, it's similar to what Snit has said uh, about guys like Acuna and Albies, the one place they're never going to be intimidated, the one spot they're never going to be overwhelmed or, or let a moment get too big is when they're on the baseball field. They live for it, and I think you can say the same thing, the same exact thing about Michael Harris.
1: As this weekend is upon us, the festivities begin in Major League Baseball. The Braves await to see who they take on in the Division Series, but we're having these wild card series for the first time in the sport. What do you think of this, Kevin? I think it's exciting.
9: Look, I, you know, my son gets home from school at 2.30, and I promised him we'll watch a little baseball before we, uh, we go catch the local high school football team tonight. He's been begging me to take him to a football game. And obviously working all these Friday nights, I haven't been <laughs> able to do it. And I said, hey, I said, if the Braves win the division, we can go to a football game on, on Friday night and cheer on our, uh, our Walton Raiders down the street. So looking forward to doing that. But, no, I, I like it. I really do. I think, look, here's all you need to know. The two longest droughts in the sport, as far as postseasons go, are over in Seattle and Philadelphia. What does baseball love to do? They love to get those new audiences. They love to get those, uh, grow the game, see players that you don't get to see. You're going to see Julio Rodriguez on the biggest stage. That's exciting. That's really, really fun. Philadelphia, a team that had such a good run you know, for that five or six years Haven't been to the playoffs since 2011. Here they are. They can make some noise. I mean, I think this is it's good for the game. Uh, I'm excited to sit back and watch it. And you know, I'll be I'll be wearing my Padres hat later on tonight, guys. My my cousin Joe is the uh, main video director uh, for the San Diego Padres. So I sent him a text this morning. I said good morning, buddy. I said, it feels like a really good day to beat the Mets. And he said, you know what? I agree. So uh, we'll be all rooting for for San Diego here in the McAlvin household.
1: <laughs> Any win over the Mets is something that we can all get no behind. Doubt. That's for sure. No so, doubt. all right. So the playoffs get started in Atlanta there next week. And I do want to end on this. The atmosphere at Truist Park. You got to see it for the entire postseason run last year, Kevin. You saw it this past weekend for that big series against yeah. the Mets on MLB Network this week. Mark DeRosa is talking about, look, in, in the 14 consecutive division titles at Turner Field, sometimes Atlanta fans were just used to winning, so the atmosphere wasn't that amazing. You put the battery in and all of this, and now it's one of the best environments in sports, not just the game of baseball. What are you expecting there in Atlanta?
9: Well, playoffs started a week early. I, I joked about it on the, uh, <laughs> on the on the pregame show last week. I said, while it doesn't officially begin until a week from today, uh, the playoffs start a week early here in Atlanta, and voided the Braves rise to the occasion. And I've done this, i of times on my podcast i've done it on the air here in atlanta kudos to fans near and far guys north of 3.1 almost 3.2 million in attendance and think about what the fan support has meant to this team on the field of course they feed off the energy they feed off the atmosphere i've had so many guys tell me that, that this is just uh, one of the great environments to play in, but also the ability of the front office to take that money and put it back, reinvest it in the team and continue putting a winning product on the field that you know will have this kind of atmosphere for years to come. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Brave fans, for those folks listening in your area that have made the trek out here, um, kudos to all of you because, again, it's it's been amazing. Even early on when they weren't playing great baseball, it was full houses. I, I had – uh, Austin Riley told me that he or uh, it was it was Colin McHugh who actually said it. He told me he said, "Look, we had a Wednesday day game against the Pirates in July, and it was sold out." He goes. I'm from around here, and I've never heard of that happening. So, again, the support that the fans have given this team has meant so much to them, and it's going to be rocking, no doubt. No matter what time. I know a lot of folks are saying, well, maybe they'll get one of those earlier games on Tuesday. I don't care. They can play it at 3 o'clock in the morning. Truist Park will be rocking. So, uh, whatever time they say play ball, this is going to be a, an awesome atmosphere. And uh, for those folks who can't be here, I'm sure you'll be able to feel that through your TV or, or radio, wherever you may be.
1: Yeah, and so much so, you think back to the run last year, and obviously talking with you each and every week from here, in auburn alabama in sec football country so many of the games sometimes happen to fall uh, with sec football matchups and we're still just as excited to make sure we're aware of what's happening there with the braves throughout a postseason run so can't wait for it all to get started next week for atlanta and kevin you're always so kind with your time thank you again uh, once again for joining us here on the radio show today
9: appreciate it fellas you guys have a good weekend
1: that's kevin mccalpin of the braves radio network and he's joining us here on sports call
4: I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all SEC wide receiver. And you are listening to Sports Call on
0: Tiger
1: 95.9. All right, Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, but on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson here with Cam Berry and Ryan LaVoy, And what a fun show it's been so far. Always fun to catch up with our good buddy Kevin McCalpin of the Braves Radio Network. Tuesday will be here before we know it. Yeah, it's playoff time, Cam. Yeah, it's now or never.
2: Time. Oh, it's now or never. Can't wait, man. Ready, for, ready for these Braves to play. It's got Phillies got one game, so yeah, you know it, it could be interesting. We'll face off against the Phillies, but uh, we'll we'll just have to see as that as that series goes along. Um, just ready to see the Braves play again,
1: man. It was fun talking with Kevin about the atmosphere that oh, we yeah. saw in oh. Atlanta last week um, for that Insane. big series. And now they're going to have home field advantage in the National League Division Series. Yeah, You're a native atl Yeah, man. Um, every time people say atl <laughs> like I know that's a thing. It feels like we're saying aliens. <laughs> yeah, atl Um You're an ATL guy, man. Yeah. And it's it's been really fun to see, like he said, nearly 32 <sighs> million people went to Braves baseball games this year 3.2 million man that's
2: just insane coming off we love it I mean love it absolutely love it I mean what Truist Park and the battery have turned into you kind of said it um I think you said it Wednesday when we were talking about it and you're just saying like what that's turned into is just something that has just been out of this world and just such an absolutely key home field advantage that the Braves have been able to use and feed off of the just the entire team and just be able to just play really well and it's just it's helped out and and I mean obviously every game seems like it's going to be a night game and I feel like that's going to play a big time part you can kind of do the whole um you know atmosphere and and just just it's going to be great I'm so excited to watch it playoff baseball (laughs) I know coming
1: on Tuesday and then a, a full slate of college football set to be played coming up uh this weekend yeah All right, we're about out of time here on today's edition of Sports Call. But as always, before the show comes to a close, let's give you our nightly TV guide.
0: Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide.
1: All right, our nightly TV guide is brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop by your local TK's convenience store for a variety pack of White Claw. I am a hard seltzer guy. I'm guilty.
2: <laughs> guilty as charged. It's okay. I, everybody, I think, has the seltzer phase. And then yeah. some people stick with it. Some people don't. I'm a beer guy myself, but I do enjoy I, I do it. But you enjoy don't turn
1: down a seltzer. No. You know, like if a seltzer is handed to you, it's no, not like no, you're no, going to throw that back sure. in their face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Important. Uh, college football. Harvard at Cornell. Yes. Let me say that again. Harvard at Cornell. I live 6 for that PM. matchup. On ESPNU. Yeah, smart people playing football. smart
2: people playing football. Going
1: head-to-head. Captain America Civil War, 6 o'clock on TNT. Solid movie. Nebraska and Rutgers at 6 on FS1 for your college football fix. Another college football game, Houston at Memphis, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2. And then one last movie pick for you this evening on your nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Grown Ups. At six on VH1. Grown Adam Sandler. I've just Always seen so bits funny. and pieces. Of you've it, never you know? seen grown ups. I've seen. I, I have seen parts. I haven't sat Part, down and watched it all watched the way the through. Whole movie. That's a you great know, movie. but you've got Sandler, Kevin James, uh, David Spade, Chris Rock. Chris Rock does it's some amazing things in it. So yeah, so funny. I got to check it out for sure. thanks for being here, man.
2: Glad to be here.
1: Ryan, good to see you as well. And that's going to wrap up this Friday edition of Sports Call. What a fun show it was. Our thanks again. Three guests today. Justin Hokanson, Chris Van Dyne, and our good buddy, Kevin McAlpin. For Ryan LaVoy and Cam Barry. my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day!